What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and alongside, as always, the one and only Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Oh, not a whole lot. I'm glad uh, we're going to be joined here by somebody else, so I don't just have to talk to you. Yes. Uh, what we want to do today is we want to do a little bit of a breakdown. It's the bye week, so we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown. Basically, we're going to answer three questions. Who's safe for next year? Who's out for next year? And who has something to prove the rest of this season? And in order to do that, we're going to welcome in Jason Aponte. You know him from Niners All Day, 49ers Web Zone, 49ers Noir. Basically, if it's involved with the 49ers, he's a part of it. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me, man. It's uh, it's an honor. I listen to you guys a ton, and uh, to be on here is a is a is a great thrill with you guys. So I'm excited and appreciate it. Yeah, now you can see what I'm dealing with. <laughs> well, we we kind of uh, you know, when when uh, Rob and I were talking, you know, we kind of we kind of touched on something that we thought would maybe you know, kind of like maybe you know, divide you and I, Levin. So I know that you're a boilermaker, right? <laughs> and, and I see that all the time, right? My father's a Hoosier. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, Rob was like, maybe don't, don't lead with that, you know, but I thought it was interesting. Like I see you talk about Purdue all the time. And it's like, my father has like this, this big, you know, hatred for Gene Cady more than anything, (laughs) (laughs) even though my niece goes to Purdue actually, and is a huge Drew Brees fan and everything, but that's neither here nor there. I just, I see that all the time. And I'm like, is today the day that I'm going to tell, uh, Levin about it? I was like, probably not. I'll just hold on to it and keep it to myself. Rob, get him off the show. (laughs) (laughs) Don't lead with it. And two minutes into the pod, we're already, it's it. (laughs) <laughs> going to do it for Jason. Thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> All right. So here we are. It's the bye week. The Niners are four and six. Things haven't gone well this season. I know Kyle Shanahan said recently that he thinks that the 49ers can still make the playoffs. That's fine. We're going to look ahead a little bit. We're going to look ahead past this regular season to see where the 49ers go from here. So let's start with the first question I brought up. Who is safe for next year? There are I think 28 unrestricted free agents for the 49ers, which is just incredible. And I tried to separate them in terms of who is safe and who's not safe. And the only guy that I 100% sure think that A, wants to come back and B, the 49ers want back is Trent Williams. Jason, do you have any dispute with that? No, not at all. And I think that that needs to be the number one priority. You know, as you can see, you know, the right the right side of the offensive line is struggling and Trent Williams is the anchor to the left side. So, um, you know, I, I understand the hesitance towards a 31 year old, but I mean, he's still at the top of his game right now, graded, you know, usually the highest um, at his position. So, yes, he you know, uh, Trent Williams needs to be the priority this offseason. I, I would agree with that. I think he's definitely somebody that needs to be brought back. It's just a matter of what he demands contract-wise. If he comes in demanding $20 million plus and truly wants to be paid, you know, up there with Tunzel at the top of the bracket, I don't know if the Niners can afford that. But I also don't know if they can afford not to, regardless of what the price is, because they're probably not going to be replacing McGlinchey. He's going to get another year, and that means the right side's probably going to be bad again. And if they do want to replace McGlinchey, you don't want to be replacing both of your left tackles or both of your tackles in one offseason, too. So it's, yeah, to me, I just feel like he they have to bring him back. I just can't see any other way around it. And I agree with you. I think it's, he's not going to be cheap for sure. Um, Levin, is there anybody else you think for sure that sort of checks both boxes of wants to be back and the Niners want to bring back? I wouldn't say there's anybody that's a 100% safe. I think there's quite a few guys that are likely, you know, 
I, w- I would throw Jason Verrett in as somebody that probably wants to be back and the Niners would want to be back. It's just a matter of money because he might have a mark. I think he'll probably test the market and he might have a team that comes to the table offering him huge money. But if he has a average market comes, you know, people coming to the table offering maybe 10, 11 million a year, I think he's probably going to be brought back. I think he, he knows that he's doing really well in the system. Don't mess with it. You know, after all he's been through. And I think there's a lot of guys kind of in that boat that they're going to test the market. And as long as it doesn't blow up for them where they get some crazy offer from another team, they're probably going to come back. But there's also going to be quite a few that, I mean, like Trent Taylor, (laughs) he shouldn't even be offered. I mean, there's some guys there that that certainly shouldn't be offered. But I would say about half those guys probably end up coming back. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Jason Verrett was the person that I was going to, you know, tap on, uh, tap into and say that it's probably, you know, it, it's not 100%, but it's close to it, um, that he's a priority. Now, the, the problem is with each great performance that he puts, he's pr- pushing his price up. And that's what I'm afraid of. You know, yes, Jason Verrett has a lot to be thankful for, for the 49ers, for continuing to work with them. And he's he's been vocal about how much he enjoys the, you know, the, the rehab center and he wants to be here and everything. We'll see how true that is when, you know, his market develops. So I agree with Levin there that Jason Verrett would have been the one person that I would have said is probably as close to certain, like with Trent Williams, as far as a priority. But if he continues to play the way that he has this season and, you know, he he earns himself a Pro Bowl spot and, and a lot of recognition, then you can see teams definitely going to try to take a chance on him. And, um, you know, we'll see where his his market is. And with so many questions in the, with the secondary with this team, I mean, it would be really nice to be able to say, OK, we'll go into next season with Mosley and Verrett and, you know, maybe build it out from there. So you'd like to see them at least sort of solidify that part of the team. Um, there's a bunch of guys now that I feel like check only one of the boxes. Either the 49ers will have interest in bringing them back or that definitely would want to be back with the 49ers, like Kwan Williams, Ronald Blair, Kerry Hyder. To me, all they should bring all those guys back. I don't know that they will, but to me, Levin, like three of those guys, I would get it done if I was John Lynch. You know, you mentioned one that I think is going to be an interesting situation, and that's Kwan Williams, because we all know he's one of the best slot corners when he's in there. But there's a couple things. One, teams don't pay slot corners. That's kind of like a new thing that some teams might be willing to pay a lot of money for. Is a market going to develop for him? Because if not, he's going to be relatively cheap. But at the same time, he's got to be labeled injury prone at this point. I mean, he's always banged up. He's missed quite a few games over the last couple recent seasons. So I think that's an interesting one. You know, let's say somebody offers him five, six million a year on a multi-year deal like that's something I actually question and I don't think a lot of fans have really thought about that a whole lot so that's why I kind of wanted to key on it because I don't know what I'd be willing to pay K1 Williams considering his injury issues yeah he's definitely a great player and you can see when he's on the field you know the 49ers have more flexibility you know Jamar Taylor has stepped in and played solidly let's you know you know he's been fine you know but it's uh you know it's it's with the salary cap decreasing you know, these decisions are going to have to be made across the board. And I I don't envy the people that actually have to make these decisions because it seems like there's, you know, when you look at the names, that there's going to be some sort of mass exodus um, from this team, right? You know, you think about Richard Sherman, who's also a free agent next year. And it's like, how likely are they to bring him back? And, you know, not, not to say anything bad about Sherman. It's just, you know, at his age, 
you know, what the 49ers are trying to do and how much they're going to have to crunch numbers because, you know, you have to get the Fred Warner deal done and you have to you have to make sure that that he's taken care of. And it, it's just going to be an interesting time. Like I, I there's going to be a lot of turnover in this roster, I feel. And it's not for the fact that the 49ers don't want to bring them back. It's just going to be it's a numbers game. And, you know, certain guys are going to be here and certain guys just aren't next year. So. I completely agree with you. I think Sherman happens to fall into the definitely gone category just because age and what it's going to cost to keep him. To me, I would think that it'd be something the 49ers couldn't do. That brings up a bigger issue for me. And I feel like it's going to be the test for Shanahan and Lynch this year. It's easy, I think, especially for those guys who are watching film with these guys every single day to say, these are the guys we definitely want. These are the guys we definitely don't want. They probably know by now who the most of those guys are the the hardest part to me about being a GM especially when in a year where the salary cap is going to go down is figuring out the good players that you have to let go that you can afford to lose even though they are really good but you just can't keep them and that's where I think that the 49ers are really going to be tested this offseason because I think there are good players like Jaquiski Tart I think is a good player he's not a bad player he's a good player but you have to decide, like, is the cost of him worth what he's going to give you, especially considering that he just never makes an interception ever. So I don't know. Do you have confidence, Jason, and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to make those decisions? Um, I do, right? So, I mean, you know, it's crazy because, the you know, John Lynch is a secondary guy, right? And they've never addressed the cornerback position or, or secondary really in the draft, right, since he's been here. But I suspect that that's probably going to change now because you're right. Jaquiski Tart is a, is a good player. And I think that he is undervalued, you know, when it comes to, you know, the outside looking in. I think uh, the large majority of 49er fans who get to watch him, you know, they, they appreciate what he does. And, and, and yes, great player. But, yeah, I don't think he's coming back this year. And that's why I think, you know, in the Saints game, we got a chance to see Tarverius Moore and Jimmy Ward because I think it's a look into what this this secondary on the backside is going to look like going into next year as well, too. So I think it's important that you get those guys on the field so you know what you have, right? We've all been yelling for Tarverius Moore to get on the field. Now's as best a time as any right now to figure out where he is developmentally, you know, it, it, with his development. And, and can he be relied on next year with Jimmy Ward, who also seems to be allergic to the football as well, as we saw in this game, you know, as far as interceptions, not to knock the guy or anything like that, but he'll never get an easier uh, interception shot than that this past week. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, like I suspect fully that Jaquiski Tart's going to move on. You know, there was rumors about him being moved at the deadline because it feels like the 49ers are getting ready to lose him and, you know, probably not coop any, recoup anything for him. I think there will be an interesting development that comes in the off season, though. There's going to be a lot of one-year deals taken by players because I don't think the market is going to be a normal market. Not with COVID and the lower salary cap coming. I think there's something to be said here that some of these guys that we might target as being gone due to money, due to being able to demand too much, are actually going to come back, but it'll be on a one-year deal where the team's willing to pay, you know, enough to keep them around, but they don't get, you know, like maybe Jason Verrett, nobody's willing to take that injury risk with his history and nobody's willing to give him that huge four or $5 million deal. Maybe Sherman doesn't have a market developed for him because he's older. He's going to be coming off injury. You know, he might, you know, he's going to come back in this season, but he's had another injury riddled season. So maybe nobody's willing to offer him multiple years. Maybe he comes back on a five, six million dollar one year deal. I think the Niners would probably do that. So I, I think Tart kind of falls into that. I think he's most likely gone, but at the same time, he's now done for the season with a turf toe. 
I don't know if anybody's going to be coming to the table offering him the multi-year deal that he's wanting, and he might end up taking a one-year deal to kind of prove it and reset his market. That's a fair point. Um, We also don't know for sure that the salary cap is going to be, what do they say? It could be as low as like 175 or something like that, but that doesn't mean it is. It could end up being higher than that. We still don't really know, and that'll be huge for the 49ers with, like we said, 28 unrestricted free agents. Um, Is there anyone else that you guys want to bring up in terms of who you think for sure is safe for next season? I think Kerry Hyder is. Um, you know, to to have a guy that you you brought in, you know, you played for Dallas last year, you had him brought in, you thought he was going to be a depth piece for him to for him to have a higher pressure rate than D Ford did. Now we understand that Kerry Hyder's playing more snaps than D Ford. That's still something that nobody could have foreseen. So to have Kerry Hyder next year as a rotational guy, when you bring you're going to be bringing back both, so you're going to have all your guys back next year. I think that becomes invaluable, especially because we, you know, if anybody knows better than injuries, it's going to be us at this point with how many injuries we have and how deep you need to be at this roster so maybe Kerry Hyder's playing his way into a contract maybe he says hey thanks for taking a shot on me and I want to stay here I like it I don't know you know but I think that Kerry Hyder is somebody that the 49ers should really look at and and really want to bring back at this point I I would agree with that I think with Kerry Hyder though there might develop a situation because of his you know he's somebody that could be looked at as a starter for somebody else that he might price himself out I mean he's at what like six sacks now what happens if he gets another four sacks in these last six games? He's going to be a 10-sack guy sitting out there on the free agent. And defensively, one thing that probably should be mentioned with all these guys that are have their contracts expiring, if Robert Sala gets a head coaching job, he's going to want to poach some of the guys he knows. Mm-hmm. And Gary Heider, Heider would probably be at the top of that list. For sure. Yeah, you and I love and disagree on, <laughs> on Sala's prospects as a head coach. Although, I have to say, like, he he has done a much, much better job than some of the numbers reflect. Like, you look at some of the games and you're like, oh, the 49ers gave up 30 points. It's like, yeah, but when you actually watch the game and see how sort of things unfolded, it's not as bad as it looks. When it comes to Salah, I'll say this. If he gets in the room to interview, you know he's going to have a good shot because he's that type of guy. Once he's in front of you, he's the type of guy that's infectious. He has a great attitude. He's going going to be a guy that interviews extremely well. And I think he's going to have interviews. I think he's I think he's uh, moving up um, with each week because this Saints game, when you when you rewatch it, the defense has very little to do with the reason that the this team lost this game. You know, and all things considered, you know, for for him to have to change exactly what he wants to do because of all the injuries, which is basically just run cover three with having you know with having those studs run off the sides and and get to the quarterback. For him to have changed his philosophy week after week, going from coverage you know, going from pass rush to coverage, it's really, it's really uh, a testament to him and where he is right now in his development. And, and for sure, he's going to have a bunch of suitors. I think, you know, I, you know, he's, he's, a, he came from Jacksonville. Is Jacksonville a place that he can go? You know, there's, there's plenty of places that it, that it's possible. So yeah, I think that Robert Sala is doing a great job. And I think he is working his way into one of those guys that, you know, everybody's going to be after like Eric B you know, like so that, that sort of name. Yeah, it's going to be, and that's a good point. What happens with him will affect some of these uh, free agents that we're talking about. Let's move on now to who's definitely out. Because to me, there are a lot of big names that I think for sure are going to be out. We talked about Richard Sherman. To me, I think Sherman is out. Kyle Juszczyk is another guy that I love. I think there's no way Juszczyk's coming back because I think he's going to want something in the range of what he's at now. And for what they're paying him, there's just no way they're bringing him back, Levin. Yeah, I was going to jump in there if you were going to keep continuing on to other people. 
the thing with use check, who's going to pay him? Like, there's not a market out there for fullbacks. I don't think he's going to get the contract he wants. And that's because nobody will offer it. You know, I think he'll end up coming back because he knows, one, I think the Niners will probably be willing to pay him more than, you know, the average on the market. They'll be able to match pretty close what the highest, because nobody pays fullbacks. And on top of that, he knows this is might be the only place in the entire league that he actually gets to play on offense and not just be some guy that goes in there and hits people. So I think he's coming back. I, I would put him in, in the situation of, yeah, if he gets the big contract offer, the Niners aren't going to match. I don't think they're going, going to be willing to spend that money, but I don't think he gets it. So I would put him as more likely to come back than not, but there's certainly the chance he doesn't. Right. And I mean, we have to remember, right, the, the Cayuse check deal that was given was far exceeding anything anybody was willing to give him. Right. So, you know, hopefully we have to look at it like, you know, Kyle looks like it looks at it like, hey, I got paid. I like being here. I get utilized. Not as much. That's a whole other story and a whole other issue that I have, you know, with with the way that, you know, if you're going to be paying a guy that much money at a non-premium position, you better be using him. But that's a whole other argument that we can have for a whole other day. But I believe that Kyle Juszczyk can probably look at it, you know, the same way that Levin said is that, you know, nobody's paying for fullbacks. Right. And they completely uh, outpriced themselves when they paid for this deal. So maybe Kyle Juszczyk says, hey, you know what? I like the culture here. You know, this is the only place that's really going to want to pay me. I'm I'm actually being used here. You know, maybe I'll take a deal that isn't as high as last time just to help everybody out. But, you know, again, I always side with players when it comes to this. Make as much money as you can and and, and make sure that you're faithful to yourself because these teams will not be faithful to you when it's time to move on from you. For sure. I think that I agree. If you can get money, go get it, especially in this sport. I mean, look at poor Dak Prescott this year. I had to watch his ankle pop out of his body. Um, so if you can get the money, get it. I think the Niners are going to say, hey, Juice, here's the number. Take it or leave it. We have decided that you are only worth this much money, and we'll see what happens with him. Another guy that I think is definitely out, Akella Witherspoon. I mean, he's been a healthy scratch at times this year, and I think they're just they're out of patience with him. Like He shows flashes, but at this point, if you're not consistent, they have no use for you. I think Witherspoon is gone. Is there any objection from the, the peanut gallery? No, and – with the way he's been, you know, a healthy scratch lately, I feel like something has happened and he's re- regressed. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys that kind of gets an invite to a training camp without getting any guaranteed money and never ends up actually making an NFL roster again. You know, it's um, it's so funny about the the Kyle Shanahan doghouse, right? You get in, you get in, you don't get out. It's, it's, it's similar to Ozzie Smith in the Simpsons episode falling in, in you know, and, and, and that's it. You, there's no way to get out. So Akella Weatherspoon is definitely not going to be on this team. If I could make a, a prediction, I think that he lands uh, in Cleveland because Joe Woods would love to get his hands back on him and see what he can do with him. So again, it would be a, a situation that Levin was talking about, about, hey, you know, we're not going to give you any guaranteed money. Come in and prove it. But Joe Woods believes in him, right, and and would want to take a chance on him. So I could definitely see him landing there. Whether he makes the roster, that's something completely different. But it's clear as day that this man is in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, especially considering how thin this secondary was at times, and for him to still not be on the field is is more telling than anything. Yeah, as soon as I heard the story about, well, he was kind of injured going into the Miami game, so they didn't know, and then he came to them and said that he could play – like. That did not make Akello Witherspoon look good. And the fact that they were so open and honest about that led me to believe that they're really kind of frustrated with him. Uh, we talked about Chakuski Tart. We talked about Richard Sherman. 
Uh, let's get to some running backs. I don't think Tevin Coleman is back as much as Kyle Shanahan loves him. I just don't think they're going to bring it back. And I don't think Jet McKinnon is back either. I think the Niners running backs next year are going to be Mostert, Jeffrey, who don't call him Jeff Wilson, and maybe Jermichael Hasty if they decide to bring him back. Levin, do you think we'll see either Jet or Coleman with the Niners next year? I think Jet actually has a, a shot at, at being brought back just because of what he brings in the passing game. And this last game, he certainly looked better as a runner, in my opinion. He he was he seems to be almost be getting his legs back under him. And, you know, Shanahan mentioned that he was going through kind of tired leg syndrome earlier. So I think that we haven't really seen everything that McKinnon can do. And I think he probably will be brought back as long as he, he's willing to come back on basically what he's paid now, league minimum. I, I could see him being brought back. He he makes too much sense in this offense to not be brought back as a second or third string guy. For sure. And then you have to think about, right, the way the way the McKinnon deal went down, right? He was the, This was the first signing of the regime, right? They immediately went out there and they paid him much more than we thought he should have been paid, right? So that tells you that, that Kyle and John identified him as, as a fit for this offense, right? So he goes through these injuries and the, the team restructures and restructures to keep him around, right? How many teams would have probably cut bait? after after those many injuries just to say you know what we're let's get this money off of our books however we can whatever amount it is but they they continued to work with him and I think that you know it, it's it's a perfect point what Levin said is that this week he did look better the numbers don't look good because the run blocking was awful this week it was really bad you know so so this is one time where yes Jet isn't as fast as he used to be he's not hitting the hole and he's not as decisive as a runner as most of it is but he definitely does offer some sort of depth which, you know, we saw this year. Where would this team be without Jarek McKinnon this year? No matter what, tired legs, everything, you know, all things considered, where would this team be without him at this point? And and I think that he's very grateful to them for, for sticking with him. And I think that, you know, if they can hammer out a team-friendly deal, I think it makes much more sense for him to stay. I think Coleman is done at this point. Um, I'm not in the bashing of the Tevin Coleman crowd. That's not me. You know, I understand exactly what Kyle Shanahan does with him. He uses him as a jab to set up the, the knockout punch that he has with Mostert. You know, he, he he pushes him in between the tackles. So I get that. But he doesn't offer much, you know, to this team. And they're not even utilizing him the way that they did in Atlanta, where they had him split out wide or split in the slot or anything like that as well, too. So, yeah, I think Coleman's gone. But I think Jed has a good shot to come back, you know, uh, especially if uh, if he wants to come back on a team-friendly deal. My question is, uh, when it comes to the running backs, is do they bring somebody else in or do they pick the guys they want to bring back from the six or seven guys that have played running back for the Niners this year? Because I feel like they probably will bring somebody in for what you just mentioned there, running between the tackles. I think they probably will go out and get somebody who can be a backup and is a little bit bigger so that they have that option when they want it. You know, if you have... You know, Jeffrey Wilson runs hard, but he's not a, a true in-between-the-tackle guy. You know, and Mostert is not an in-between-the-tackle guy. And if you want to get go down the list, I mean, Hasty don't think he's in-between-the-tackle. Walter's not between the tackle. And McKinnon's not between the tackle. None of them really are. I feel like they might go out and get a guy that fits the system, but he's a little bit bigger, kind of like the Coleman. But here's the thing, though, right? Like the big overarching story of this year is injuries, 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 injuries. Every week people are going down. What good does it do you? How are you moving past that and avoiding that next year if you bring back Jet McKinnon, <laughs> a guy that's been hurt, and you bring back Tevin Coleman, who plays like every other week? Like part of the 
issue is that the Niners keep taking chances on guys with injury histories. So why would you be bringing these people back? We got to get new, healthy, young, virile people to come in and play football for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with that. Like I said, you know, Jeb McKinnon hasn't played in two years. And then like this year, he's being leaned on as the pillar of uh, of health, right? You know, and, and it's 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 just a crazy year, right? At one point during this year, we were looking at Jordan Reed and Jet McKinnon to save us. Like we were like, hey, you know, these are the guys that are actually gonna be healthy. It's a wild year. It's just and and that's a really good point. You know, it it just I think it all boils down to what exactly the deal is. If you're gonna bring Jet back and it's for like no guaranteed money and he has to hit certain, you know, certain milestones to to have money kick in, cool. I'm with it. But that is a good point about, you know, him being injured and, and why bring back somebody who's off injured as, as much as Jet is. It it makes me wonder. I mean, Alfred Morris is still in the league now. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> no, he is. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> when I saw him actually playing, I was like, wait, how is he still in the league? <laughs> right. And as soon as you see a running back with 46, you already know it's Morris. And I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I saw 46 on the Giants and I'm like, that's not. And I, I was like, yep, it is. You should know. 46, Alfred Morris. <laughs> is he still driving that like 92 Honda Civic that he has? <laughs> <laughs> no idea <laughs> but I, I, you kind of you mentioned one guy in passing there that I think is an interesting topic here offensively Jordan Reed you know he's one of those injury prone guys he's been injured this year but we've also seen how great he is when he's healthy is he somebody that you want to bring back I do but again, it, it all depends on the deal. Like, I, I feel like I don't want to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but it really it really matters about the deal, right? So is Jordan Reed so, um, you know, what, what's the word? Is he so grateful to the 49ers for giving him a shot that he's going to do the same thing again? Because I would expect right now with the way that he's playing, concussions and all, that there's somebody that's going to be out here looking to to bring him in. I mean, if Greg Olson is continuing to get work and get and, and get jobs, Jordan Reed has shown in his limited time that he is still one of the elite route runners and elite tight ends, uh, receiving tight ends in his league. And that's insane to, to think that, you know, so there might be a market for him as well, too. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams who think the same way the 49ers did when they brought him in. Low risk, high reward. Look what this guy can do. And if you can pair him with another tight end, then you're just talking about something that is that much tougher to cover. Well, and that's, something I really wish we got the chance to see this season is George Kittle and Jordan Reed on the field together because they were there in week one, but Jordan Reed only played like 10 snaps in that game against the Cardinals. I really wanted to see the creative stuff that Kyle Shanahan was going to do with those two guys. And I also really think that it would benefit Kittle to have a full year with Jordan Reed and learn some of those route running tricks and techniques, because I think that's an area at 11 that you've brought up where Kittle can really improve. Yeah, Kittle's not really that good of a route runner. He's not terrible, but he's really just an athlete that Kyle gets open in space. And once he has the ball, he's ridiculous with it. He's not a Travis Kelsey as a receiver. You know, I would argue, and I think a lot of people would argue, he's the better tight end than Kelsey, but that's because his blocking is so otherworldly. Kelsey is the receiver of you know equivalent of that he is so ridiculous as a route runner and receiving that's just not Kittle he's not that great of a route runner but it works you know so no knock on him I mean he has the most yards in a single season by a tight end it works but a lot of that is Kyle Shanahan getting him open but I wanted to I wanted to go one spot because I don't think we've really talked too much about the offensive line we just talked about Trent Williams 
who do you guys consider safe on the offensive line? Because I don't really think like I, I think McGlinchey probably safe just because first round pick, they're gonna try to get that potential still. And Dan Brunskill, although I would say there, there's no guarantee he's a starter next year. I think he'll he's got a really good inside track, but no no guarantee. That's it. Like I don't yeah. consider Lake Lake and Tomlinson completely safe. Not with what he's paid and how bad he has been in terms of communicating with Trent Williams. Those two have not been on the same page at all when it comes to protections. They've missed so many blitzes because they think the other one is picking it up. So I actually put Lake and Tomlinson in the work to do and everybody else on that offensive line other than Trent Williams, Daniel Brunskill, and Mike McGlinchey are guys that I think are you know, a toss-up, whether they're coming back or not. I purposely left the offensive line for this spot because I think there is some meat on that bone. So what I want to do is take a break and then let's get into the guys with a lot to prove because to me, the offensive line is one of the key spots for the 49ers. So we'll take a break and when we come back, we'll look at the guys with something to prove for the rest of 2020. We're back here on the Gold Standard Podcast taking a look at the guys that have something to prove in 2020. We're joined still by Jason Aponte. Thank you, Jason, for sticking around. Um, so we talked about the offensive line before we go into break, and there are so many questions on this offensive line. Not only how the hell did they forget how to block this year, but also with who's going to be back. And you brought up Lake and Tomlinson. I mean, according to him, he and Trent Williams are the best left side in the NFL. So I don't know what the problem is, Jason. I mean, according to Mike McGlinchey, he's still here too. Like, you know, like uh, this is part of the stuff that gets me a little bit upset, like with, uh, with the talk, you know, it's like, yeah, we're the best left side come on, you know, it's fine to have confidence right now, but it's, it's apparent, right? Like I'm not a coach. I'm not, I'm not a scout, but when you watch guys lose blocks all the time, you know, it's like, what are you really watching? Like I watched Lincoln Tomlinson on one of the, on when, on um, the second drive that the 49ers had where they had a chance to score, right. Um, You know, off of the fumble, right. They go, they go and they punt the ball and they get a gift, right. They get down to the red zone and there's a there's a run play for Jack McKinnon, but you know Quan Alexander sniffing it out because guess what he knew exactly where the play <laughs> was going, but it didn't help that Lincoln Tomlinson got tossed to the side and he was getting hit and Jack McKinnon was getting hit before Quan actually you know diagnosed it. So sometimes like I, I of course you want your players to have confidence, but it's like come on guys like what are you guys looking at at this point and how and and who's holding you to the standard and who's telling you this like who's in those meeting rooms and telling you great job there Lincoln like great job. You know, you know, getting tossed to the side right there and letting it, your guy get back. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that part. I don't get it either. And one thing that really has annoyed me, I've heard it at least twice this season after a game. They go, you know, when they're they're asked about like what happened on the blocks and you know guys not getting picked up, and they go, well, they were using some tactics that we haven't seen before. So freaking what? You're a professional. You're supposed to be able to recognize it. Maybe they fool you once, then you adjust. How many times did we see against the Saints that they blitzed the corner and he's literally looking in the backfield while at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he even had his body turned away from the receiver where he was angled a little bit towards the quarterback and nobody picks him up. Like there's no excuses for this. It's a fail on, I would say somewhat coaching, but mostly players. Like, why are you not recognizing? Why are you not picking these things up? Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not, not really known for that, but was he really the only guy that was able to recognize something? It was Joe Staley, the only guy able to recognize something. I mean, I, I've heard Weston Richburg was pretty good about picking up blitzes, but I mean, some of these are so painfully obvious. You can literally see them right away. The guy's literally looking 
at the running back and his body is angled towards the running back. He's coming in. Like, yeah. I, I don't get it. And it, it just annoys me because there is, and you hinted at it, a lack of accountability with the offensive line. Because we've seen McGlinchey say, well, other than a few plays, I feel like I'm playing well. Well, guess what? A few plays matter. When you get blown up, when you get knocked eight feet back and you're a six foot eight dude, like that's embarrassing. And you're blowing up plays, which kills a drive. If that happens two or three times in a game, you had a terrible game. And you've seen that where the offensive line plays badly and then they make excuses and they come out and they do it again and again and again. Like, where's the coaching saying, hey, get your heads out of your ass and stop saying that crap because you didn't play well. Right. And then that's what's funny, too. It's like you pop on the all 22 film and all you see is 22, 22, 22, 22. CJ, CJ, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson had the game of his life this past week. <laughs> he played out of his mind. He he was it, it was the first play of the game that he's already blowing up Jet McKinnon in the backfield. And and you're absolutely right, Levin. Like it's Mike McGlinchey is over there. There's no there's no other tight end to be over there to help him, anything like that. And you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo would call out that pr- protection and slide the protection that way. You know, was he known for it? No, but I have a feeling that he's much better at this than Nick Mullins is. And you're right. How many times do you have to see the the same thing happen over and over before either your coach comes to you and says, this is how you beat it, or you played football your whole life. This is how you stop it yourself. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind numbing. And then when you hear the comments after, it makes you even more frustrated. And I, and, and to piggyback off of what you said before, they were doing things that we didn't expect. That is like that is like the the ultimate like disrespect like slap in the face. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. There's no sort of adjustments being made. So when somebody does something that you weren't expecting, that's it. The whole game plan is blown up, and that's it. You can't do anything. <laughs> like I, I just it's it's more concerning to me every time that I hear those sort of comments. Yeah, there are questions along the offensive line seemingly everywhere except left tackle. And that's why, to me, I think Daniel Brunskill and Colton McKivitz have a ton to prove the rest of this season. A huge part of this season is going to be evaluating those guys because if they actually show something and they actually look like they can play a little bit to the point where John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are comfortable with them going into next season, that the Niners can sort of check those boxes like, okay, we're, we're comfortable filling those spots. That's huge for them because that lets them – maybe leads them to use a first round pick on a quarterback or a cornerback or a safety. It lets them use some of these picks to fill their other needs. So it's massive for them to get playing time, to get run here so that we can figure out like, do we need to fill an interior offensive line spot or are we good going with Brunskill and McKivitz, Jason? So the question that I have for you guys, and this is the part when I was watching the game, I'm like, all right, so Tom Compton's starting. Blah, great. You know, but then, McKivitz is in, but then Compton's in, but then McKivitz is in. It's like, are we going to evaluate these players properly and give them reps? Because there's no way that you can evaluate properly when you're pulling guys in and out, right? Like we know what Tom Compton is at this point. He's just a friend of Kyle Shanahan's that plays offensive line. That's pretty much the only, that's pretty much the only, uh, the only sort of assessment that I can give him because we've seen enough of him in the league that we know who he is, right? The Jets said, you're not good enough to be on this offensive line. We don't want you on this team anymore. The Jets. The Jets said that. Um, and McKivitz was in there, but I think it's it's true that we need to see what McKivitz has because at what point, you know, Brunskill's going to be running a center because Grasso was so bad against Seattle, right? Like this is this is pretty much what Kyle was saying about why he wasn't in there. But I, I think that if you're going to evaluate these guys, at what point are you going to go to full evaluation and have him play, you know, instead of this whole herky-jerky start with Compton, here's McKibbitts, here's Compton. Like, I was confused. I thought that one of them got injured. It's like, why are you playing both offensive linemen in and out? Like, that's confusing. 
And it's the same thing with Brunskill. I, I would say he is safe simply one due to his versatility, but also because like you just said, they haven't been able to get a real evaluation on him partially because he's having to go back and forth between right guard and center and partially because the guy playing to his right has been so terrible that it's hard to evaluate him. Like, literally, I I don't want to crap on McGlinchey, but he deserves it. There's been so many plays where McGlinchey gets blown up so incredibly quickly that he can't even really evaluate that side of the line. Right. And then the other thing, too, is like, like McGlinchey says, oh, besides those one or two plays, and like you said, Levin, you know, the, the Philadelphia game, you got blown up and Nick Mullins threw an interception in the red zone. Like, that one play, if that's if there's points there, the 49ers probably win that game. So it's not like it's just, oh, I missed an assignment on a run play, and yeah, you know, uh, we lost some yards. No, it was literally one of the most critical mistakes in that game that it changed the the, the way that game was played and the way you call games on both sides of the ball. It just makes no sense when you say, well, if you eliminate all the bad things I did, I did pretty good. Like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kendrick Bourne is an all-pro receiver if you eliminate the drops. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then the other, you know, it's so it's so weird, right? Because, like, they'll have those games, but Kyle will still stand in front of them, right? And yeah. he'll take those arrows for them. And still, like, it's like, it's so weird how Shanahan jumps with the shield in front of certain guys and other guys, he's just like, I don't care, tear him, tear him apart. I wasn't really going to go here because it's not necessarily evaluating the guys on the team, but I think while we have Jason here, it's, it's a worthwhile point. Do you spend a lot of money in free agency bringing in a top-end guard or center? I want to, but it doesn't seem like this regime um, values guards or centers, right? It's all about the tackles, right? You want those swing tackles to get out there and, and, and you know, lead the blocking. You know, I would love that. I think interior O-line, um, cover your ears, 49ers fans, is a real reason why the 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl last year, you know? And it's it's rearing its ugly head again. You know, um, once Richburg left, last year and and look you know obviously we can't count on him because Patella tendon at his age you know that doesn't seem like something you can easily bounce back from but when he left there was a quick drop off like as far as like where this arterial o-line was playing so it has to be like I, I you know if we see it right we see it you know we hope that you guys see it but i'm not certain that this regime cares too much about their center or their guards or anything like that it's all about the tackles in the scheme I mean, they they did spend money on center. It's just been inactive for true. a majority of the time here. But that's another one like Rob hints at, and Rob rants on this all the time. How did we get Wrenchburg? Because he was coming off injury. That's why we were able to afford him. Like, we overpaid to get him, but he was coming off injury. Go out and get a guy that's not injured, that can solidify that interior line. Because, I mean, even with just Wrenchburg back, when the times that he has played last season, that O-line was different. Like, that O-line was a lot better. I think just getting one guy on the interior that can truly anchor that interior makes a world of difference. I do think they're at least going to kick the tires on things because I think they're going to move on from Richburg so they can save a bunch of money moving on from him, and he's been a no-show. I mean, it is what it is. Some guys get hurt. You know, it sucks for them, but it's a business. If you're getting hurt all the time and you're paid a lot of money, hit the road. Do you guys think that they're that they're going to play money ball with uh with this you know with this offensive line because Garland's not there and I think that they they regard him pretty highly honestly um you know I get scared of things like that right it's like Garland's been injured this entire time you know with Richburg and they're probably you know they they might be sitting there saying you know what Garland can do the job we don't really have to do that and that that's what that's what gets me a little bit nervous about the the guys that they 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 evaluate in their own building 
Yeah, there are there are some places on your team where I feel like you can play that game, and there are some places where you can't. And in a Kyle Shanahan system where it's run, run, run to set up everything, I don't feel like the interior offensive line is a place you can play that game. I'm sorry. Like, wide receiver, yeah, you can do it. Kyle will see these guys open. But the offensive line is the foundation of the house. And if you got cracks in the foundation of your house, you're screwed. The rest of the house, it doesn't matter if you got crown moldings, if your foundation is crumbling. And right now, the 49ers foundation is absolutely crumbling. Yeah, I mean, look how the last, like, I mean, they haven't truly won anything, but that's for other reasons. But when the Cowboys offensive line has been healthy, which lately hasn't been much, they wreck people because the offensive line is so dominant. Nobody can do anything. It doesn't matter who the quarterback was. It doesn't matter who the running back is. Now, they've spent money there to go out and get Zeke and Dak ended up blossoming. But in all honesty, Dak might not be Dak if he didn't have those first few years behind a tremendous offensive line because he developed. I mean, there there was in the beginning, everybody was debating, I would rather take Jimmy Garoppolo over Dak. Dak's just benefiting from a great run game and a great offensive line. And then the last two years kind of changed that. You've seen Dak hit a new level. He developed. He developed because he was behind a ridiculous offensive line. If the Niners are going to go out and get a quarterback, you know, well, let me put it this way. If they keep Jimmy, Jimmy gets hurt a lot. So get a better offensive line. If they don't keep Jimmy and they go out and get a rookie, get an offensive line so he can develop behind it. Either way, you need the offensive line. Right. That's the thing too, right? Is everybody's enamored with these rookie quarterbacks who are mobile. So, so, you know, it's not like, oh, they're mobile. Don't, don't invest in the line. Let them run for their lives. No, that shouldn't be the way that you're, you're, you're evaluating those guys just because they can run. Don't make them run. Yeah. Not everybody's Russ. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, like I've never seen Russ take a hit. I still haven't seen Kyler get hit. You know, those guys know how to get down, but that's not the case for everybody. That's not how it works for everybody. So you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to run a rookie out there with the same offensive line, especially interior, you know, because that's not going to change anything. Yes, will he be able to move out of the pocket? Maybe depends on who you have, but you don't want that guy running for his life. You know, you want him to be running on 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 something that's designed on something that that should be more fruitful, not running for his life. Uh, Levin, who? Oh, did you have another point? I was going to stay on quarterbacks. I think there is a something to talk about here in terms of. Who stays? Because I think that there's legitimate. I think everybody's assuming Nick Mullins is definitely coming back as the backup because they can keep him as a restricted free agent. Well, I mean, what happens if he plays so badly he gets benched for Beathard? If he gets benched again, I don't see him being brought back. I see them going. You know what? We're we're going elsewhere with the entire quarterback room. Put your hand up right now if you'd rather see Josh Johnson start a quarterback than Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard. My hand is up. I'm not putting my hand up. Yeah, are you, uh, yeah, you, I, I don't, I don't know about that one. That one's a little bit much for me. Like, I, I get it. He's a little bit more mobile. You know that that helps. But nah, I'm, I, I'm good. I know what Josh Johnson is. Yeah, I was gonna say we, we, we've seen, we, we've seen Josh Johnson. We know he's not it. Like, if he was it, he would be elsewhere. He'd be getting opportunities elsewhere. I'm not saying going forward. I'm saying for the rest of this season, I would much rather see Josh Johnson. He could make some plays by accident. Nick Mullins can't do anything. If his first read is not open, I feel like he's screwed. He can't move at all. He he doesn't have an arm, so he can't throw longer than like 15 yards downfield. I mean, we're getting off topic, but no, I just, but it's yeah. a good point. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, honestly, you know, I think that if, if, if Kyle Shanahan, 
you know, before, before, you know, before next week came out and said, Josh Johnson's our quarterback going forward. I think that everybody would start to panic and say, oh yeah, they're tanking. Like, <laughs> you know, like they, they really, you know, they really are, are really trying to go for draft position. So um, yeah, I mean, if it was a reclamation project or something like that, like if, if the 49ers would have, you know, found Josh Rosen on their practice squad or something like that, then okay. You know what? Maybe run him out there. Let's see what you got with him. Right. Let's see that. But when it comes to Josh Johnson, I think it was more just depth. And more that they wanted him to run as the scout guy on how to stop these other mobile guys, which I don't think that's really going to help. But I like the idea and I like the sentiment of it, you know, that you're going to have a guy that's going to, you know, reenact being Russell Wilson, reenact being Kyler Murray. So you can try to figure out how to stop them and slow them down. But, yeah, I mean, if if, if he was named the starter, I think that everybody would just be, you know, all on board with the tank at that point. I mean, if you want a mobile quarterback, Jarek McKinnon played quarterback in high school. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I, you know, it seems like they, they, they pointed out every game. And I'm like, wow, I, I didn't even know he was quarterback. Incredible. It's like, it's almost the same thing. It's like, you know, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? You know, it's like, why bring it up every single game? <laughs> you know, Tom Brady has uh, ties to the 49ers. He was in the stands for the catch game. I don't know if you're aware <sighs> Unbelievable. Never. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that I wish I knew a lot earlier. You know, I would have jumped on board with him. I mean, you know, Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. <laughs> they believe, but they believe they believe that one. Unfortunately, even though it should be Jameis' time, do they? Do they? Uh, no, no, no. I think I think they're going with Jameis or whatever. But I mean, it's just, exactly I, that means they don't believe it. No, they don't. I think that Sean Payton just wants to prove that he's smarter than everybody else and that he can bring this guy who's not he's not great at anything. He's just decent at a few things, and he's like, I can show you that I can make him good. Don't take the cheese, Jason. Levin just wants to bring up Taysom Hill because he knows it's going to give me an aneurysm because I cannot tolerate the love that Taysom Hill gets from the media when he doesn't do a damn thing out there. Uh, I'm with you, Rob. I'm with you. I was watching him on that run in the red zone, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to score. He's going to score. Oh, he's down at the one. Rob is saved from me trolling him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he also fumbled later in the game, too. Stunner. We're not going to talk about that, though, right? Like, (laughs) okay. Okay. Deep breaths. (laughs) I'm back focusing back to where we are. Guys with something to prove the rest of the year. Uh, Jason, you mentioned one while we weren't recording in Kendrick Bourne, who I know that Kyle Posey and Akash Anavaratha on the Shanna plan say that he's one of the most improved players on the 49ers this year. Do you think that there is no way that the team brings him back? Or do you think that he just looks so much better now that someone's going to pay him? I think that it just depends on the way he goes the rest of the year, honestly. I think that everybody kind of knows what Kendrick Bourne is. He's a possession receiver. He's a fine third receiver on your team, third, fourth, somebody that you want to rotate snaps with. Um, and for him to be undrafted, you know, and, and and for Kyle Shanahan to get as much as they have out of him, that's really a testament to them and the system. You know, so I think if Kendrick Bourne plays very solidly at the end of this year, right, cuts out the drops, you know, makes tough catches, goes back to being that first down red zone machine that he was, even when everybody was healthy, because I think that that's lost on people, right? I think that people assume that Kendrick Bourne was eating in the red zone last year because guys were injured. No, there were games where George Kittle was there, Debo was there, Mostert was there, and he still was was a viable target in the red zone. So I think he's shown that he belongs in this league. And if he continues to play well, there may be a team that that wants to, you know, overpay him. And, and, and I think that he should get as much money as he has because he is an undrafted free agent. So it's um it's going to be interesting to see going forward how he contributes to this team because he has a chance to play himself into a lot more money. I'll just throw this out there that he could be joining Jimmy Garoppolo back in New England next year because he fits New England's mold of a receiver and they are desperate at receiver. 
that's one of the teams I could see stepping up and paying him. You know, it's not we're not talking ten plus million a year. If he gets an offer for five, six million a year, the Niners can't really afford to pay him that. No. Nope. And he could he could get a multi year deal like that from somebody like the Patriots who are desperate at receiver. And if the Patriots end up getting Jimmy Garoppolo, they might want to bring a familiar face with them. And the last spot we're going to look at is tight end, Levin, because you think there's a couple guys there with something to prove. Yeah, I think the only guy I would consider safe right now to definitely be back is obviously George Kittle. Outside of that, we talked about Reed. The Niners would like to have him back. It's a matter of money, whether or not he comes back. The other two guys, I don't know if they get brought back. You know, Ross Dwelly has had a bad year. I've seen him miss blocks, and he's a blocking specialist. That cannot happen if you're a non-receiving tight end. And then even in the receiving game, there's been a couple drops. There's been really look doesn't look like he's on the same page at times with the quarterback in terms of his routes because there's been some throws that are nowhere near him that were intended for him. So I don't know that Dwelly will be brought back. And then there's the rookie, Charlie Warner. Well, he didn't make the team at first, and then he's made the team since because due to injuries, he's been promoted up, but he's not gotten any opportunity. So that tells me he must be struggling to get up to the NFL speed. So is his spot guaranteed? I would say he's likely to come back. I mean, they just spent a draft pick on him and teams tend to not like to give up on draft picks, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's George Kittle and two new guys that are the three tight ends next year. I think it's a great point that you brought up about Ross Dwelly, right? So, um, you know, Ross Dwelly, Ross Dwelly hasn't just been struggling in one facet of his blocking. It's been both, right? So think back to the Miami game. He misses his block. Jimmy Garoppolo gets blown up, right? And the next play, you can immediately see the effects of it. Jimmy Garoppolo tap danced in the pocket in a way that I've never seen quarterbacks tap dance, even after a big <laughs> hit like that. And it's not an opinion I'm giving. I'm not telling you that Jimmy Garoppolo's scared. Look at his feet. His feet is attached to his brain. His brain is working just as, as fast as his feet. And he's tap dancing because he missed that block. Fast forward to the Saints game. He misses a block um, on, a, on a run play, you know, and it's clear as day, right? Like Mark Schlereth calls him out, you know, during the game on it. And it's just, it's, there was a lot of whispers about him being in the same Kyle Shanahan doghouse. And I think it's because of those, the blocking issues, right? You have to think about it, right? There's two weeks before this, right? There are literally no weapons on this team, right? The Packers game, right? Richie James, River Craycraft gets to start, you know. He's so far in the doghouse, I believe, that Kyle Shanahan couldn't even scheme him some some throws. Didn't want to. Like, if you're going to be having, you know, River Craycraft, Trent Taylor, you know, who who hasn't shown much this year, all these guys, you know, Russ Dwelly's a guy who's been here. Scheme him open, get him some throws, get, get Kyle Juszczyk some throws, right? Like, that was my main complaint with that Packers game. But I think that because of his blocking woes, it's really, really put him behind the eight ball as far as his opportunities at this point. Like he has to cash in on every single one of them because they're going to be so far and few between at this point. I mean, I'll just say this. If you're a blocking specialist tight end like Dwelly's supposed to be and you're missing blocks, that's like a kicker who can't make a field goal or a punter who's shanking it. You have one job. If you can't do it, good luck. You know, go go play elsewhere if you can even play elsewhere. Like if you got one job, you better be really dang good at that job. Well, and that's a symptom that we've seen from a couple of guys, right? Like people always say, why didn't Richie James play more? Well, because he can't catch the punt like that. The the punt is the reason that Richie James is not getting more run at wide receiver. Like when you can't do the one thing, like you said, that Kyle wants you to do, I'm not putting more on your plate. I'm putting less on your plate. And so 
whether it's Dwelly's blocking or Richie James with the kick punt returns or seemingly anyone with the punt returns, really. I feel like the 49ers haven't had a good punt returner since Ted Ginn was here in the Harbaugh era. It's like they can never have a good, reliable punt returner. But if you don't do your job, the one thing that you got to do, you're not getting more from Kyle Shanahan. You're getting less. And like you said, you're in the doghouse and you check in and you don't check out. You don't. You're Ozzy Smith falling. That's it. You know, Ozzy Smith didn't make the softball game. You're not coming back on the field. Like, that's just how it works, honestly, when it comes to that. And it's it's so strange to see. Like, there's no coming back, literally. Like, even the Pettis thing, I think when, when you know, Pettis was in the doghouse, Kyle put him out there just to, you know, almost like prove a point. Like, look, this guy's not good. Like, you know, like, this is it right here. Like, and and, and he tried to go out on his shield. Like, he he literally, like, gave up his body on that last time that he touched the, the, the football for the 49ers. And it's like, he almost just, like, was like, that's it. I'm going out. Like, I'm this is it. Like, you're going to get me out of here now this way. So it's so strange with the doghouse, man. And it's so it's, it's something that's not spoken about, but everybody knows about. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will be interested to see in the future as Kyle Shanahan kind of ages as a, as a coach and there's more opportunities, do people that make that doghouse emerge when they get out of it? We haven't really had an opportunity to see, but I am interested to see if Dante Pettis becomes an actual contributor at wide receiver elsewhere. I wonder if that could be one of the criticisms that come in future years. Like, you know, look at this isn't the same, but I'm using this as an example. Gase. Don't go don't go crazy. Yeah, Gates. Right. People get away from Gates and they emerge. Got to wonder if Dante Pettis can actually play at receiver. And it was different things like not being able to block that Kyle Shanahan was like, I'm not using him at wide receiver. I'm not using him at receiving the ball because he can't block. Don't you ever, <laughs> ever <laughs> use Kyle Shanahan and Adam Gase in the same sentence ever again. You just did. See, but here's what's funny. So, but here's, here's what's funny though, right? If we wanted to, if, if people wanted to be petty and go back on people's Twitter, right, and and just you know type their name and type Adam Gase, how many people said that they wanted Adam Gase over Kyle Shanahan? And then check their tweets now and see how they're talking about Adam Gase, and maybe you should let them know. Hey, is this you? Remember when you said this? You know, <laughs> there's some opportunity there for some people because I I remember that clearly. I didn't weigh in on that. Yeah, I I, I didn't have a sports only Twitter at the time. thankfully the story at the time was if he agreed to keep Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator he would have been the head coach right and he didn't want to do that so they didn't hire him so thank you Adam Gase we appreciate you for for you know making that decision then all right so we purposely didn't get to the quarterback um frankly I think we all agree that the 49ers are going to look elsewhere for a quarterback next season do you guys disagree with that I I Kyle Shanahan expects expects Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I think that 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 statement right there should tell you all you need to know, right? I expect a lot of things. I expect to wake up and have a million dollars in my bank account out of nowhere. doesn't happen. That's the point with expectations is they can change. You can expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be there all you want. If you really wanted to give him a vote of confidence, Jimmy's our guy in 2021. That's what you would have said. Expectations gives Kyle Shanahan that wiggle room. And then I think that next part of the statement is the one that you really should key into. We haven't made any decisions about next year on anyone going forward that's what you need to key into if you believe that that was a ringing endorsement for jimmy garoppolo it wasn't it was kyle shanahan not killing his guy in the in the in the news and also giving himself wiggle room to upgrade the position in the offseason like we all think he will well it it serves a disservice to the team to criticize jimmy garoppolo as the coach because 
Even if you're moving on from him, you want to trade him. If you talk him down to the media, you hurt his trade value. That's true. Although I found out today, today I learned, Jimmy Garoppolo has a no trade clause in his contract just for the 2021 league year. See, his agent was smart. He knew that this was the potentially the out year for the Niners, so they stuck that in there. So if they do want to move him, which I still think is possible, they just have to get his say-so for that league year. So we'll keep an eye on that. I want to thank Jason Aponte again from Niners Noir, from 49ers Web Zone, Niners All Day. You see the live show. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me so I don't have to be stuck with just Levin. Stealing my joke. Stealing my joke. Appreciate you guys for having me. Like I said, I listen to you guys all the time, so it's a, it's a great thrill to be here. I'm 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 honored and humbled, and um, yeah, I just like I just like talking football. So anybody who asks me, um, I'm I'm with it. You you guys got me, Levin. I give you the last word, even though I know I'm going to regret it. It's the first episode in a long time where my ears aren't bleeding at the end, and I was right. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You get this show. You get all our great shows. Enjoy the bye week. Maybe watch some college football. Do a little uh, quarterback scouting of your own. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.